Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Sang with Faith Presbyterian Church. Thank you for joining me for today's message. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. So we are talking about a world you wouldn't know. The world in Genesis chapter 2, which was way different from the world that we live in today. These first two chapters of Genesis establish, reveal, and define the most important characteristic of God, and that is His goodness. God's goodness is the most important characteristic. And we live in a world that's full of wonder. Mysteries exist throughout our planet that we have yet to resolve. And there are so many strange creatures. So what was the world of Genesis 2 like? Amidst the vast diversity that exists of, of life that exists on planet Earth today, it might surprise you to learn that 99% of species are extinct that all the species that have ever existed 99 percent of them are extinct as of today um i found an article this week that kind of uh talked a little bit about an extinct species of creature that was very fascinating it i'm going to try to get the name of it right it was a fossil of a dragon-like flying reptile found in chile it was a ramphorhynchine pterosaur ramphorhynchine pterosaur say that three times fast is basically what it is is it was a pterosaur that looked a lot like what we would call a dragon now no one alive has ever seen anything quite like it and there are many creatures along these lines that people today have never seen them likewise about a thousand years ago there was a 10 foot tall flightless bird it would weigh between 1000 and 1700 pounds its name that we gave it was the elephant bird. Now, it is confirmed that people a thousand, year, a thousand years ago had seen the elephant bird and perhaps were even responsible for its extinction, either hunting it to extinction or by stealing its eggs from its nest and using those for different things. Uh, but then there's also one of my very favorite forgotten animals. Its scientific name is Elasmotherium sibiricum also known as the Siberian Unicorn. It is thought that this creature was responsible for all the unicorn myths and legends that came after it. Uh, now, if you're thinking unicorn, and you're thinking a rainbow tail, rainbow mane, single horn popping out its head, you're a little bit off there. It was nothing like a horse. It was more like a rhinoceros. In fact, its nickname is the Woolly rhinoceros and its horn that is on its head is one meter long that's about three feet long one meter long horn protruding out of the top of its head just by looking at some of these creatures it is easy to conclude that the world back then is was significantly different than what it is today you don't see it too much in genesis chapter one but in Genesis chapter 2, it is clear that the author is trying to paint a picture that the world back then was different than the world that exists during his time period. It was a world that we would not recognize. Let me read a description from the Bible, from the book of Genesis chapter 2, about what the world was like. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. Okay, so far, it doesn't sound too strange, right? Let's keep reading. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. So, no rain on the earth. That's kind of strange. That's odd. And there is no man to till the ground. 
So there's no people. Eh, it's not a big deal, right? But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So it says a mist went up. And some translations say it's streams of water that came up. So is it like a morning dew? Not quite sure. But what the author is trying to tell us here is that the world was significantly different from what you would imagine it to have been. That it's different from the world that we lived in today. It just takes a little bit deeper analysis to figure this out from the biblical text. Now, the devil would have you to believe that God created a world full of suffering and toil. Well, that's not so. God's world is defined in Genesis as being very good. Not just good, very good. It was only through temptation uh, by the devil who wrecked it. And mankind, of course, aided him. They rebelled against God, disobeying God's clear commands not to eat from a particular tree in the Garden of Eden. That is the world that we are familiar with, the world that is described in Genesis 3. Genesis 3 says that the ground would produce thorns and thistles. So eating, even eating, would be toilsome as God told mankind and all the other animals that they would eat the plants uh, of the earth. They would eat all the seed-bearing plants and everything. So quick note, <clears throat> when I was reading through Genesis chapter 2 right there, uh, I've noticed that the newer version of the NIV actually makes a particular mistake. It, it omits a word. And uh, in Genesis 2.5, it says no plants had sprouted. Now, if it were left at that, if that was true, then Genesis chapter 2, the beginning of it, would be both confusing and contradictory to Genesis chapter 1, as Genesis 1 makes it clear that everything else in the world was created, and then mankind was created, so the land wasn't bare. Um, so the Hebrew word actually says that no plants or herbs of the field had sprouted. Now this makes a difference in the meaning. It might sound minor, but Genesis 3 helps us to piece this together, particularly the part where mankind is cursed. God said, The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat what? The plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground. So this phrase, plants of the field, appears in Genesis 3. God said that mankind would have to eat from there on out the plants of the field. Fields require laborers. Fields require work. It is important when reading the opening of Genesis chapter 2 to remember that the author actually wrote it with Genesis chapter 3 in mind. Genesis 2 was paradise, but Genesis was written by Moses, and his world was anything but paradise. Likewise, our world is full of slavery, toil, suffering, and wickedness of all sorts. Our world is not paradise. So if you want to eat, that comes at a price. It kind of reminds me at this time I went to a burrito restaurant on my birthday, and uh, I went there to get the burrito exactly the way that I liked it. So I'll tell you what I got. White rice, veggies, double meat, queso, salsa, and sour cream. It was so massive 
that I could that they could barely roll the thing. In fact, it was starting to break a little bit, so they double rolled it. And then um, uh, when they got to the end of the line, seeing how big it was, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to need a drink with that. So I ordered a drink, added that on, and then the cashier told me the price: seventeen seventy one. So I started reaching for my wallet. I thought I'd misheard her. And so as I was reaching for it, uh, I asked her again, what did you say the price was? And she said, $17.71. And so I stopped her right there. I said, man, I'm, I've, I very much apologize for this, but I can't have a $17 burrito. We're going to have to start this over from the beginning. And so I ended up having to make a whole new burrito for much cheaper. For the first people, God provided abundantly. There is no price for them to pay in order to eat. They did not have to work to produce their food. There were no fields. Instead, we are told that God planted a garden, the Garden of Eden, where he placed the man. The food there was abundant and self-sustaining. They just had to enjoy the world that God had made for them. Their experience was more like Taco Tuesday at my day job. It was a free meal, and by the way, it was wonderful. And they had uh, they had lettuce, taco meat, nachos. Uh, my goodness, they had cheese. They had onions. They had queso. They had uh, they had everything that makes a good taco. Nice thing about it, self serve. It was a self serve taco bar. And I piled up my plate until I had a mountain of taco goodness on top of it. And since I decided I was going to be leaving early that day, I decided to do it. I got jalapenos on my taco. But that wasn't it. They also had condiments. They had taco sauce and sour cream at the end of the line. And to top it all off, they also had complimentary drinks to go along with our feast. I tell you what, it certainly didn't cost me $17, <laughs> but it probably should have. God's desire is to reconcile us to himself through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can abide in his abundant provision for all eternity. In Genesis chapter 2, it is revealed to us how good God is, that he would provide for all of his creation in such a way that was wonderful peaceful, and harmonious. 2 Corinthians 5 refers to the one who has trusted Jesus as a new creation. Now think about this. The old creation, which is the world that we live in today, is wrought with disease, death, and suffering, and brutality. 1 Corinthians 15.26 says that death will be the last enemy to be destroyed. So check out Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. It says, he, being God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed. We were given a glimpse at God's good design so that at the end we might glorify God all the more for restoring us to his perfect goodness. We've been put through a world with trials and hardships because we are able to get a glimpse at what creation without God's grace can be like. God restored us to himself through his son, Jesus, so that we could experience the never-ending depths 
of God's love that even though we are no good, he is eternally good. So when we see his eternal kingdom, we can receive it with nothing less than eternal praise and worship. I'd like to thank you for joining us for today's message. Again, my name is Pastor Bill Sang. I am with Faith Presbyterian Church. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. But also remember that we are open. Uh, our services are open to visitors on Sunday morning. So feel free to join us at 1030 in the morning. We look forward to having you and welcome you to worship God together with us.